0: Hello and welcome to Setting the Stage, episode 22, Natoa and Akrimios. We are looking for more people to interview, so if you're a DM or you know a DM that might be interested in coming on the show, you can check out more about how to apply at www.gocorral.com slash STS. And without any further ado, let's get into the show. Today I'm here with Natoa and we're going to talk about uh, his world, Akrimios. Am I saying that right? <laughs> it is... <laughs> OK. Um, but first, let's hear a little bit more about uh, yourself and who you are outside of uh, the game. Uh, sure,
1: sure. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, so my name on the Internet is Natura. In real life, my name is Michael. Um, I live in France. Um, I started playing a role-playing game like very late compared to... Uh, bunch of people, I guess, like, mm-hmm. really in my 20s uh, or so. Uh, I didn't start playing outright, like, in in high school or anything. So, yeah. Uh, but I always wanted to do uh, a tabletop RPG. I just hadn't the, uh, the resources or the friends to do it with. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah. I was I was very interested into that. I was already reading at fourteen the uh Dungeon and Dragons rule book, but have just nobody to play with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I was into uh form, role-playing game, yeah. But is this is old. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, no, I remember those. Uh, yeah,
1: uh so yeah, it was very text based, of course, but I was uh, always into that. So I guess that's Pretty much uh, what I am in the role playing space. Uh
0: huh. Um, so, did you, um, assuming that you do have a group now, how did you meet yeah. them? Uh,
1: so I met them through MMORPG right now. Uh, mainly, I have of course my girlfriend uh, in the in the group, but uh-huh. most people have uh, I've met them through MMORPG like Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, okay. for example uh so the current group is is uh is how i met them but when i just started it was it was basically uh in engineering school um i was we were talking about tabletop RPG with a friend he didn't play uh he played that much uh but he told me hey there's this tabletop RPG club uh, but it's just right outside our school. I said, "Sure, let's give it a try." And so I started. <laughs> That's basically I started. Uh, so cool. I was playing. I playing Dungeons and Dragons and another of for, for that matter. But I mainly stick to. Let, let's just stay with, with the with the time I stayed with Dungeons and Dragons mainly. I started on three point five. Mm-hmm. Um. Which was uh, which was really cool because uh, it is a complex game. Oh yeah, uh, there is there's so 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 many rules, and I wouldn't recommend that for people that want to try any TTRPG, but have no experience in any TTRPG or any rule set at all. Right. Uh, D D three point five is. <laughs> be messy it can be messy at this time the shocking Um, thing
0: to me is that it gets simpler with each edition for d and yes
1: yes and for me it's it's kind of a good thing uh but with the time i'm lacking more and more uh pathfinder things like what i call pathfinder things where there is complexity but you got you, you gotta read the rules and you gotta read it hard because you get to go and. Search for what you need to do for your character for and oh yeah, there's this archetype that could be cool Oh, and you can fetch that spell with with that class and that and that prestige class It's very complicated, but you can pretty much whatever Do whatever you want and the rule would support that. Yes uh, And but the feeling I got from 3.5 but this was my first D&D and d uh, and mainly my first tabletop RPG, I, I played a couple games before that, but this was the first time I'm, I played in a campaign. Uh, you know, I have a recurring uh, character and everything. Mm-hmm. So the first the first time was very confusing. Like, I was thinking, like, am I doing this wrong? <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I <yeah>. could... <laughs> oh, I could do that. Oh, yeah, right. I could do that. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> So and after a time, uh, I started DMing with uh, Warhammer 40k uh, on the first edition of Dark Heresy oh. uh, because I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of that universe. So I just started. Uh, I I was basically saying, okay, I like 40k, and I want to start DMing, maybe there's a game about that, and yes, for sure there was. Uh, so it was called Dark Heresy, and for people who don't know, it's basically a very horror action like RPG, RPG game, um, which is, it's not like horror like you could find in the Call of Cthulhu game. It's more like uh, uh, you will be facing horrors, and you... Kinda of not meant to kill them, but the mission is to kill them. Basically, okay. Um, so that's that's a feel that uh, that resonates with a lot of people. Actually, more people than <laughs> than I initially thought, because uh, the first time I started DMing was with actually ten people, uh, which I thought initially was, I ah, we're a bunch of friends. It's it's alright." It, it will go smoothly. It did not go smoothly at all. Ten people is is horrendous to, to DM uh, to DM for. It's oh, yeah. too much people. And thanks uh, to a couple of really old player, veteran player, you know, people that know uh, that know DMing and knows knows it will go. It will go bad, basically. Uh, they helped me through, through, through the game, so that's what got me in DMing. And with the time I was just um, kinda DMing d kinda, uh, a couple games uh, left and right, uh, with people just, mm, you know, make make them discover what is the TRPG, basically. Not really what is Dungeons & Dragons, but mostly what it's like to be at a table and role-playing and everything. Right. And with the with the time, I got the hang of it. I got I get the hang of what is & dragons. What is what what I like about it? What kind of things I like in uh, in our in RPG? I DMed also a lot Starfinder, which is the sci fantasy uh, sci fi side of Pathfinder. Right, um, and I really loved it because it was. It was very fantasy, but not in a medieval sense. Like, but there were still dragons, but not like in a, in a big castle or, you know, your typical dungeon and everything. It was, it was really like... A, it was basically like Guardian of the Galaxy, but with dragons, basically. So I liked it, yeah. I liked it very much. And, and then um, in the background... I was just trying to make a world uh, <laughs> uh, because I, f- I thought it was cool. I thought I liked uh, I liked the, I liked the, the f- just the thing about um, I can just share uh, these random ideas I have of things I find cool um, and make them a current thought, a thought for for people and and the current coherent things to for people to play in uh, so i was just walking out and this is like a uh, very rational things uh, to work on because you you're like okay i'm starting small i'm starting with that's how i started you start just with a kingdom right it's just right. one country it's really not that bad but then you get so invested in that, but it basically be- It starts to become your whole world if you don't put a stop to it. Just don't put a... Okay, if you don't say, I will just go and not work on this part of my world and just do something else. <laughs> do something else in that world because uh, what what is happening just outside of the map, I'm just drawing right now. Um... So, yeah, but basically, how Akryus was born, uh it's just right. really uh it's just really uh trying to make uh, uh something very unified on random thoughts that think of things I find cool, um and I want my players to play in,
0: yeah, yeah. Um so you mentioned a lot of like sci-fi stuff that you'd been doing earlier, like Starfinder or mm-hmm. um Warhammer forty K, obviously. Yeah. Uh are you is Acrimo Ac- Acrimios. <laughs> Acrimios. Um keep stumbling over it, thank you. Uh is Acrimios uh a um sci-fi setting at all? Uh so it is a medieval fantasy
1: settings. If you play in it, you play quote unquote your typical D game, right? You you will find Kingdom and Castle and everything. But um, the world has been constructed as a sci-fi wall. Like they are literally maybe we'll get into more details later, but about the lore and everything. But for example, there's clearly to my players now uh, the sense that there was a big empire in the past um, mm-hmm. that basically ruled all over the, this world. Um, and they were not coming for that planet. And I specifically said planet. Like, they basically came on spaceship. Mm-hmm. They, okay. My spaceship. My player didn't know what kind of spaceship it is or anything, but It is not mentioned that they teleported here. For example, they did not use a portal like, you could travel between planes for that. Uh, For a matter, like, you can go to uh, the hells of the abyss uh, just by teleporting there. No, they came with uh, means of transport, transportation, like a bicycle spaceship, yes.
0: Cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's get into more about the world. So, Acromios is a fantasy world, like you said, both like sci-fi bits sprinkled in. Yes. Um, what's the world uh, like physically?
1: So physically, this is a very high fantasy world, and in a sense that basically, um, I want to, I want the players to feel that every nation, every civilization. Whatever, however small they are or big they are, uh, they have to grasp magic to survive, to thrive, basically. Um, So I have this idea that every part of the of the world is very, if there is a civilization, uh, and they do not have ways to manipulate magic. And make magic works for them, they will die they will die um with and it will be just maybe because they don't have access to certain resources um maybe they don't have access to um they they, they can protect themselves from threats uh could be a multiple reason for that, but it is a high fantasy settings in a way that wherever you go. You will find people that have that manipulate magic, but not in the same way every time. Um, they could be for now, they are the the players are in the kingdom of Calam, which is on the uh the continent of Ardentia, and Mm -hmm. uh, it is a very typical so people here manipulate the the magic by. Basically, their theory is what they call the flux. Um, okay. It is uh, the, the, what they call the flux is actually raw magic, but just just stagnate everywhere. Like uh, if it were a gas, but would be like magic. Um, and so there are winds of flux. Uh, and what I like about it is that even if people manipulate magic maybe very easily, uh, they don't have all the rules in hand. Um, And they could have the feeling that the rules are not the same everywhere, but they are. It's just that every civilization think of it differently, uh, completely differently. and a better example I have of that is um, right in the north of uh, the Kingdom of Kalam, uh, there are the Highlands. And the Highlands are basically home to... Um, home of a lot of monsters. Uh, a lot of monsters first. Yep. And then there are fortresses of survivors. And they manipulates what they call uh, the magic of matter, uh, So they manipulate raw materials and give them magic for that. Um, so it's very stimpakish. to be fair. Um, I want that feel uh, of you know heavy machinery walking on, on this very strange, like machinery that basically walks uh, and walk by itself. Um just because they are basically magical engineers that tinkers, the, tinkers the, the the thing and and by magic you have this very complicated and intricate machinery which the Kingdom of Clams do not have because they do not need uh they do not need complicated machinery, uh, because they have access to to a, a larger and more accessible way of basically, basically, they have a magic more accessible, basically. Right, right. Okay. So, so yeah, this is this is basically how it feels. It's like everywhere you go, you will, you will encounter some spellcaster on some on some level, and um, the the best way I have to describe it is if you have a a thriving village. It basically means you have either a priest, a cleric that can maybe bless uh the crops and everything, or you have maybe a druid that can do that, but he is in the village um is part of that community uh it is they do not thrive because. Um, because they got lucky or because they or anything like that they thrive because they have someone that have the knowledge and the means to manipulate magic
0: of course yeah Um, there's something you said earlier about uh, everyone having their own way of understanding how magic works but the rules are the same throughout all the the world yes (laughs) like I feel like there's some ways of interpreting religion uh in yeah. the real world that are very similar to that where there's sort of a lot of shared elements between different religions. Yes. Um I thought that was interesting that it's sort of like the, the mystical force that we have in our world is interpreted that way, and you've also carried that over into the, the fantasy world as well.
1: And uh and for now my, my players are very they are level six, they're just feeling finishing. They suck, so they don't they do not have yet the, the opportunity to just take a boat and just save to other continents and everything, and, uh, or, or anything. So maybe they didn't have the grasp about it, but uh, there are continents that do not believe in magic like the kingdom of Kalam does. Um, this will be the case for the Halhamsa uh, continent on the very south. Um, they think that magic is a rule of nature. Point. Uh, Period. There is no, there is no, for them, there is no other way to conceive magic. It is not like a flux that just goes through the air or anything. If you want to master magic, you have to convince elemental and primordial being to give, to give it to you, basically. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the feeling I want in, in that world. It's uh, it's very important to me because I basically high, like high fantasy. Uh, and for me, it is the best way I have to describe the the how magic would work in that, uh, in that world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never put that much thought into how it worked <laughs> in my campaign. But yeah, it's really cool that you did. Um, so you have the, the kingdom of Kalham. Um Are there other uh, cultures or places that you want to talk about as well?
1: Um, yeah, let's let's just say for for now. If if you want, if, if you still have the 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 world map, it's a very work in progress right now. Um, I would say that maybe we can talk about uh, the like the two continents of Ardentia and Sindentia because they shared um they shared a, a big history together. But for now there are um if you were, if you were talking about radio civilization, um maybe I would say the Borens Rich.
0: Uh-huh uh,
1: which is so at the very north of Ardentia it's behind a big mountain range that's called the Giants Wall. Which is good name. Uh, it, it's a it's a, which is a mountain ridge, but it's basically the frontier between um, giants and other civilization. Uh, and there are a lot of of very very powerful beings that just get the giants in check. Uh, my players have have encountered one of them, uh, which is a, which is a white dragon. Um, but took enough uh basically, but it's not really enough but it it do feel like that, but it's more like it's more like he's doing a favor to someone else but oh, basically okay. there's a there's a yeah. there's a, he took enough to basically keep the giants in check um and so he, this dragon got a couple name. Powerful name like the last season, the last winter. Uh, so it is a very powerful being. But if you go be, be, beyond the, the Giants Wall and to the Barren Stretch, uh, it's a very cold place uh, because there's what the what the Giants would call the Frostfire Mo uh, at the very very north of the Barren Stretch, uh, and it is a basically. What every tribes of giants want to fight over, they think it has some kind of divine purpose. Uh, it, it's it's basically a sacred land of them, and every uh, giant chief wants a piece of it, want to control it, um, because they they think they basically can achieve godhood through that.
0: Okay, so um, the, the giants up there are fighting over a piece of land that's called the yes. Frostfire Maw, is that right?
1: Yes. And so okay. and so the Frostfire Maw is actually a a pit. It's it could be like a volcano, but I don't want it to be so high up. Um it's a pit of eternal fire in in this frozen wasteland. Okay. Um it's a pit of eternal fire. And they fight over this uh, this piece of land. Um yeah, basically because they think they will achieve godhood if they um, if they are the master of it. Uh, so every giant's chief uh wants to fight over it and basically want want this to start a crusade. It it's it's how it's how best I would describe it. Um uh-huh. they think if they hold that, or they could unite every tribes of giant and basically start a crusade and and claim and claim more lands. Um, the very, the real reason behind it uh, is because giants have a very 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 special way of using magic. In again, we we're going on we're going on magic road. but yeah, basically giants are magic eaters, but they do not control that. They just suck up every magic around them, every source of magic. Um okay. they, so that's why the Borent Reach is a frozen wasteland because there's no more magic in there uh, in this. And the first bio is actually a pit of just raw arcane, uh arcanic power that just is, is there and it's just basically materializing in form of lava, but it's not really lava. It's not really fire. Um, it's just it's just a raw piece of arcane power that just pour into into the world, and they try to fight over it to achieve god godhood, and they probably would achieve if they if they do. Mm -hmm. Um, they probably would achieve if they do. Um, It's just that they are fighting off who's getting it, basically. Okay.
0: Yeah, that matches really well with the lore for the existing Eldritch and Death Giants, if you've looked at those before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It seems very similar to how those work mechanically within the game. That's really cool. Um... Yeah, that's neat. That's very, very different from Calum, and just right yeah. over the mountains from it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but they are actually, my players are actually on the giant's wall right now, not chasing any giants. Uh, they are like on the not so populated giant's side of the giant's wall. Uh, they haven't the the white dragon. Um, they haven't her. And she was kind to of one of them, because uh, one of the player characters has a background history with this uh, his dragon, but uh-huh. uh, I mean it's a white dragon, so basically she was playing nice just for that player character <laughs> she didn't give really a radio damn about the other ones um, and to be fair, in that world dragons, and especially ancient dragons, I want them to feel like to the to the unknowing eyes, they would look like gods, basically. Mm. They're not. They're clearly not. They they would look like gods. They can change the weather. They have tremendous powers. Uh, They can cast really, really powerful magic. Uh, So yeah, they they would look like gods, but but they're not.
0: They're not. Gotcha. Um, well, that that segues into my next question really well. Uh, what are the gods that you have in your campaign?
1: So, I have pretty much i I've kept the name from uh, Forgotten Kingdoms uh, gods because I don't have really that much inspirations for name. I'm really <laughs> bad at that. Uh, really. Oh, sorry. Um, um, I just had uh, one like, one god that is uh, on I, I just created it, but the other gods uh, are like different version of the Forgotten Kingdom like, I just say, okay it's basically him, but it's not him, so I'll take that god and just change a lot of things about it but I will still name, like I will still name um, Tempest. Uh, wow. It is not like it's not like the Tempest for uh, from the Forgotten rim but he is a god of war. Uh, but it does not the same thing um, as the other ones, as the um, uh, as the other Tempest from the the Forgotten Realms. Uh, it worked out for now, but there's a, there's a big work for me to. To just name them differently because uh at this point they it just it's just their name but they're not related at all for, <laughs> to the Forgotten um uh law uh, so I guess it, it it can be confusing
0: is it still the, like the same character like... no,
1: it's no it's not it's not really uh, it's not I just took the name because okay i'm um, uh, okay i uh, will some name I found cool, so I say I will name it like I will name it like that for now. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, I, I didn't want my gods to feel like uh, they were uh, the usual gods. Um, you have to have uh, a god of war, and you have a, a god of uh, of light and anything, uh, but I find it's my biggest weak uh, weakness in world building is basically godhood and pantheon, and and basically how to make you know religion. I'm really really weak on that side. Uh, okay, it's it's a it's really a. I like to. Have the same feel about magic and for religion um, i have I have civilization and people in this world that do not believe in God in a way that they, they do not say that they do not exist it's just that they do not get the power from them any any power or any 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 prayers to them uh, for that matter um, but i don't want to to have this, this, multiple pantheon that oh you know everybody on that world believe believe in, in these gods no I, I don't really like that things uh, that that kind of thing
0: uh-huh. um so having the the name be kind of disconnected from what it means in the like normal D and mm. official settings um. Was that ever confusing for your players or were they not as familiar with the original?
1: Uh they're not as familiar. There's uh, there's maybe one player that is very into the the Forgotten Rims and it wasn't confusing at all. But I guess uh it's because for now gods don't play a big part in um in the campaign. Um they, they maybe had one reference to the lady of the moon which is basically Selene. Um yeah. but she's called Selene. I did not take the um the the, the law about Selene at all but she's called Selene for now <laughs> and but okay. will do it. Yeah. Um but they there are multiple references to Bahmut they're actually um they're actually fighting a cult of Tiamat now. Is it out you you call it chamat I don't know um,
0: um, I'm not sure what the actual correct pronunciation is <laughs> I think it's a you know it's a Babylonian yeah, the, word, right yeah
1: the mother of dragons <laughs> that's it um, but right. they are they are fighting uh, against a, a cult which is my setting. it's a very very old uh, religion uh, the dragon dragonic religion are very old nobody really worship them anymore. It's 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 basically like it's basically fallout of fashion. And um very only very ancient tribes uh still worship um still worship um draconic figures uh would it be Bahamut or or Thiamat? um but that doesn't mean that these gods do not try to to interfere with the with the mortals. And so that's basically what's happening in the in the campaign for now.
0: Okay, gotcha. Uh, I wanted to ask about the the races in your campaign. Are mm-hmm. they you've got? We talked about giants a bit. Um, what about like humans, dwarves, elves? You know all the, the yeah cool ones. The- yeah
1: they're they' are all the typical ones uh I am not a strong believer in um just uh throwing aside any races uh I try to include as much uh as needed really because i think i I really like the feel of uh going in one place and you know you you literally cannot comprehend the species but they are at certain places. And so I think it made it always make for a more interesting world. Uh, but you, you know there are people that do not like having multiple races, which I, I, I can I can totally emphasize. Um, which what what I like is basically just I I take it as a challenge basically every time. Uh-huh. I take yeah. it as a challenge. Say okay, I take this race, it looks cool. I don't know where it lives yet but I will try to come up with something that will make them part of my world right now uh in the in the most coherent way uh, possible so the thing is uh so I have basically human elves uh which in my world uh high elves and uh wood elves and Joe actually the same kind of elf, just culturally different. They yeah. are the ah. same kind. Uh, <clears throat> they just have very, very different cultural uh, cultural uh, uh, difference. Um, they have dwarfs, of course, uh, halfling, goblin. Uh, goblin are, in my world, like, they have this ability to, uh, in the very few, in... In a very few generation, to adapt to where they to where they live, mm-hmm. uh, so goblin are actually kind of part of civilization of over civilization. Uh, uh, you can encounter goblin in major cities, for example. Um, they call they call big eyes, uh, big eyes goblin. Um, they are goblin that just adapted. And their body changed uh, to be more to be more accustomed to other races so to humans or elf or dwarf or everything um, but my players have already encountered uh, two two of the kind of of uh, goblins which are you know the big ears and the big hands um the big ears which are basically goblin hunters. Uh, they are very feral uh, in nature, uh, and the big hands are basically scrapper and engineer. They do uh, they 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 just survive by uh, exploiting the land and making uh, making big machinery uh, out of it. Um, there are gnomes. After that, they are orcs. Uh, there's a Big history in Kalam about orcs, uh, because the kingdom was basically funded after an orc invasion has been repelled. Um, so there's, okay. a, there's a, a bit of a role about orc and half-orc, uh, for that matter. Um, after that, half-earth, kobold, uh, what I could... Okay. There's Dragonborn. Um, right. They are, uh there are goliath tifling um i did not i didn't not make like uh the big things about azimor uh as much as tifling uh but they do exist it's just they are very rare um gotcha. they are um, yeah i try to incorporate them as many as possible like i, I really like to to have this uh, this feeling when you go into a city and you don't know what kind of thing you will encounter. There. Uh, it allows me after that to make big contrasts uh, with other cities that are maybe maybe less appreciative of, of diversity so uh, it just communicate that oh yeah maybe they are not as kind of as we as we think because they don't have oh, I don't know. They they don't allow any uh, any other races that this race in the in the city
0: that kind of thing. Okay, so mostly people are living together with the different races and they're not really yeah. segregated.
1: No, then they did not encounter that for now. There are places of the world that do function like that, like maybe the Skales Coast, Coast on Andensha, which is not really a country and more like a. Uh, geof- geographical place, um, which is with uh, there is a, a, not like a big war, but there is a bit of intrigue between uh, between dragons and uh, on scales coast. That's basically why why it is called the scales coast. Um, and they tend to not like what basically it's not based on race, but it's based on scales. Um, so they don't like anything that do not bear scales uh in there uh they tend to see them as prey or nuisance
0: basically uh-huh that that makes a certain amount of sense um oh, I had another question, but earlier we talked about like the gods now you're yeah. using the slightly interpreted um usual d and d gods uh yeah. but There's also like the, how is the earth formed and how is each Mm. god born? Uh, Do you have, have you come up with answers for that for your campaign? Or is that more of like still a mystery?
1: So gods are basically uh, mortals that one way or another have have become the own source of magic powers. Um, They became, whether through a very powerful magic item, an artifact, or uh maybe another gods uh give him a godhood or maybe they have a rich understanding of magic that is so out of this world uh that they basically became gods uh it's it's really like civilization tried to harvest magic from something uh would it be the flux or making pacts with primordial entities or anything but gods if they become gods it's because they have become the own source of arcane power basically um, so they do have uh, this uh, um, this idea that they can basically create more magic uh-huh. uh, by themselves uh, now how they how they were born are very different uh, between uh, between all of them. It's really the I do not like uh, the the pathfinder approach of uh, you know there's uh, an intricate and complete history of how God beca- became a God. Um, yeah. I really I really like more the Greek mythology uh, approach, which is yeah he's a god. Yeah, that's it. Um you don't have really the details about that. Uh it just he is now right now at the time where you're reading this, he is uh or she is a god and that's basically how it is. Uh you don't have the you don't have any more technical details about like oh yeah, Zeus can transform into gold. Uh how that's worked, I don't know, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It right. can turn into a bull. Right. It does. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what I like in uh, in Godhood, is that I read these little stories uh, to, to just emphasize certain aspects of of this god. Like, for example, Tempus is uh, this uh, is basically warlord that is tired of war. Uh, and he just, he he just sees uh, things like he's uh, he's basically he's basically fed up with war. Um, he just wants he, he just wants to appreciate things uh, that war and strategy and intrigue did not bring him. Um, so, I have this like very metaphorical metaphorical text. Sorry. Uh, about him, which uh, where he tries to write a poem he, he is really bad at it uh, he's really bad at it and he asks uh he ask his friend uh, Ogma, which is the the god uh, the god of knowledge uh, to write him a poem because he doesn't understand why what it is, but it's it does he doesn't understand either. Why you need a poem? Why is it useful? But he's so intrigued by that because he never done it. He has never done it. And he cannot do it. So I have these little, very short stories about God, uh, about who they are and uh, what they aspire to do uh, in this world. And yeah, that's basically how I I imagine Godhood, uh, is that they They are people that became so good at what they do that they are their own source of powers, and in the same time, they are very twisted uh, they are very twisted um, a lot of time, mm-hmm. God sacrificed themselves because yeah they have nothing better to do, really you're uh. <laughs> uh, really, uh, they have nothing better to do and it's right. it's a bit sad in one in on one side and on, on the other side um they do it because they think it's uh how they can get back to people that worship them um so yeah that's uh that's a really uh that's really how i see godhood and so about the creation of the world so people at least maybe erudites on acrimios would know that they are on a the planet. They would know. They wouldn't have a really good understanding about it. But in a world when you can just ask a god for a question, I think someone would have would would have figured that they are on a planet. Um, and yeah, it's really just a. Uh, it's really like our our earth uh, people just say, okay, it started existing at one point. We don't know exactly when, but it started existing. Uh, it started existing before we even have a, had a concept about gods, and even before gods even existed. So it must be a natural thing. They kind of uh, understand that. Um, acrimus so it's a planet. Uh, it only has one moon, which is like... I heard recently that it's not a fantasy world if you only have one moon. Um, Uh But but at least I can say my moon is inhabited. There are are inhabitants on that moon. Ooh, cool. (laughs) Uh, Which are called uh, the observers. Um, The observers, which are... They are giants, but they are not your typical bulk giant. Like, uh, you know, your very beefy, frost giant. uh, They are... Very slender like um, giants with very few facial features uh, that are actually worshippers of Selene. Uh They make sense, but they, but they do not worship them uh, when they do not worship her as a god, they just thought that she was the right person to protect Acrimius. Um and so they decided to follow her into the into the night, uh into the night sky, and they just settle on the moon. And they're called observers because they have um they have this ability to see into the night sky, to see basically into space, right? Um and see things that normal people if they are on could not see. Um and um, they have so, they, they actually have seen coming the uh, mm-hmm. the big empire that they invaded Acremius uh, before that. They have seen uh, everything, but they do not interfere. Oh, okay. um, they do not interfere. They are like scholars, basically. Um, they see what, what was what's happening in the past, like, I really like that they can see into the past of the world, they, just like we can do in our world. You know, when you look through the telescope and you see stars that maybe are, maybe are dead, but you can still see the lights. Right. And so they can see the past like that. They can see the present, and so they, they want to see the future. What, uh, what will be happening after that? Um. So yeah. And after that, so Acrymios is in the solar system, basically, um, so there's uh, their sun, which is like a yellow sun, it's not a very big deal for that. People tend to think uh, this is Latender uh, that sacrificed himself to give warmth to Acrymios and they are not right but they are not wrong either Uh, (laughs) (laughs) they are they're not wrong either uh but maybe this is something that maybe my players will uh, will see so i would not get too much into that um uh and there are a couple of planets of course there are actually one planet that people tend to think it is another world it's actually a living being. Um, just a living being that just is dormant. Uh, I do not know what to do with him, but I thought it was cool that there was something that people think it's a planet, but it's actually a living thing, uh, just floating in space, and they are in the in the same solar system, but and the rest of, the rest of the world. So yeah, there are weird things. Maybe maybe it's it's clearly my sci-fi loving uh, that get <laughs> that get too much, uh, too
0: much yeah, craziness. <laughs> but
1: yes, uh, uh, and I completely assume <laughs> assume uh, that part. Uh, you
0: had, earlier you mentioned one of the continents is called Ar- Ardentia. Yeah, so like silver, right? Uh,
1: no, it's more about fire. Um Ardentia was called basically by by people who migra- migrated to it, uh who colonized it. Uh they had a, a big 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 uh belief in fire when they arrived, which is not the case today, but they arrived uh so they basically this these people that colonized um the south of Ardentia they basically made the kingdom of Kalam, which is a very young kingdom. It's,
0: it's
1: barely a, a century old. Um, okay. Before that, there were just a lot of tribes of human tribes. Uh, then, yeah, because they were migrating, it, they were migrating for from Sindensha. So they colonized, but they colonized because they had to flee. Uh, oh. they had to flee from there uh, they were coming from a place that's called the old Empire of Lania well, they they came from a place it was called just the Empire of Lania, but today it's called the old Empire of Lania right right <laughs> and um they, they basically it it was an empire that just crumbled into onto itself um just by just by too much political intrigue like basically people wanted too much power in a in a, in a sense that in may the empire crumbled itself and so there were so many tribes that just Left the left the left the, the the continent and went to this new continent uh, they call it Ardentia because they had this feeling as I said about fire and it was a big belief from them. They mm-hmm. were trying to find a place when where they could light a new fire, and that's because they thought that they. They have lost uh, they have lost the the warmth and the comfort of the previous empire um, and basically this fire basically just burned everything uh, it's maybe a very dramatic and poetic way to say it, but this is how they approach they approached back then uh, which is not quite a thousand years ago but almost uh this this is how they, they saw it back in the days uh today this belief about fire is non-existent nobody believes uh so religiously about fire and 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 about uh and about this this thing about hope which holds in the fire um nobody believes about that anymore uh there are other codes, other religion, other things about that. But the name uh state. Name state.
0: Gotcha. I think I was mixing it up with Argent before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ardent. yeah,
1: But basically Ardentia is based off Ardent, which is fire. And Cindensha is a playword around Cinders. So
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense to me. <laughs> um did you want to talk any more about your campaign world before we got into like the events of your your current campaign that you've got going on or finished up recently mm,
1: we maybe maybe a bit about uh big timelines uh how yeah. how you know the present day happened uh so basically they were uh they do not know exact they, they cannot put exact dates about that. Um, but in scholars in Akrimios know that before uh, before the, all of this, there were actually a big empire that came basically from uh, space uh, to colonize this world. Uh, they came here. They were called the Revenin. The Revenin Empire. And they basically colonized all of the world the the entirety of the world uh by themselves um and what's uh what's really intriguing is that they did not master any magic um at all they just came with very very advanced technology and just conquer everything on the on the on the planet and they do not really know why but this empire just kind of crumbled like... Um, I, I wanted to have this feel of the Roman Empire. Like, it was too big for its own good. Um, yeah. They relied too much on slaves. Um, they relied too much on basically experimental slaves. They know They know that current races are actually uh are actually evolution in a very uh, darwinian sense uh they are evolution of basically these slaves that were bioengineered by this uh, by this re- these revenants um and so they relied too much on slavery and at one point slaves got up and raised and defeated this uh, this revenant and it's not clear uh, whether, uh, when and how the Empire crumbled, technically. Uh, they think that, actually, there are some gods that could be uh, old Revenant. Um but they're not sure uh, on that. And even if they're not gods, like mythical creatures could be either Revenant or um result of revelin experiments um so this this is actually a big part of maybe on the on the on the campaign actually about the the revelin um and they do kind of know that when they when the revelin invaded there were actually another uh, they are actually uh people on Acrimus it was inhabited Uh, by by an old races, and they wiped them, culturally and physically. Uh, The Revenant made sure to basically destroy traces of uh, this civilization. They did not do a perfect job, but it is very complicated to have any sense of who was was on Akrimios before the Revenant. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. Um, So you're saying that was like a lead-up to like the, the campaign that you're running yeah. now? Yeah. Yes. So you said earlier they're going from Call Home through the Giants wall now, is that right? Yeah,
1: they, they actually are. In the, the, the big arc climax uh, will be in the Giants wall. Yeah. So, okay. to sum up, they are... So it's a group of four players. Uh, I wanted to make something that will be a bit railroad but not too much because there are two new players and when I, what I meant is two very new players uh, in 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 the group. They did not do any TTRPG at all uh, before that. And they just heard about Dungeons & Dragons, that's all. Uh, so the campaign is actually with four players, uh, so with five. Um, and, uh, I wanted to make, I wanted to make a campaign, but divided into arcs, basically. Um, like, uh, having, I have done, uh, campaigns before, but it was just, just one bulky campaign, you know, uh, like you start level one, you finish level 20 and here we go. Just, just nonstop. And. It was a bit much. Uh, it was difficult to follow uh, regularly uh, for me because um, I was I, w- I always wanted to have you know the, the, the bad guy you know the antagonist show up, but I, but in the same time would say this guy has to hold up <laughs> from level one to level twenty, right? <laughs> and then, yeah, and so. Um, I cannot have a guy that just walks up to players at level 2 or 3 and just be there at level 20 and be the same guy Um, and so it was basically having two campaigns because I have I was mastering the I was DMing the the players but I also had to DM like just for me, just for this bad guy It, it was very confusing for me so yeah. It, no it's just divide I I want to divide in arcs. Uh, so first arcs for me was level 1 to level 6. Uh, so they are on the end of a first arc and then it will be something like to level 6 and 10 or 11 or 11 and then 11 to 16 and then 16 to 20 maybe if if that holds up uh, so then but all right but um so for well, the first act I wanted to make something a bit railroady, not too much, but because they, basically half of the players are totally new players uh on that, so I wanted to make a kind of tutorial arcs of what is Dnd. <laughs> uh right. which is which is very difficult to do because of course you, you can do every you can do anything, so that means no amount of of DMing will uh, will show everything you can do in D and D, but you know at least we have a good sense of how to role play. Uh, uh, they're just they are not too confused by the story while they're learning the rules, while they are learning to play with each other and role play uh, mm. d- during the campaign. So it's kind of railroad-y, and I know it's major sense <laughs> to to railroad, but. It it has its its advantage, clearly. Um, um, But they are coming to the end of this arc, so to sum up the plot, um, there is... uh, The the arc happens, uh, so... The Kingdom of Kalam has been on for, like, 100 years um, or something. barely barely a century. It's a very, very young kingdom. And um, the king actually is also very young. He's 15 years old. Uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) uh, Because, basically, the first king, which which was his grandfather, was basically a war hero. He helped and uh, repelled the orc invasion. Uh, And so he was a war hero. Uh, He was... Everybody loves him, basically. Um, And when he died, uh, he had a son. And his son uh, was actually... um, He was actually very sick. He was really not a good political figure at all. Um he basically let all the people rent the kingdom uh, with them. Uh, he had a queen, he had a wife uh, with, which was um, the the oldest siblings of another big family of uh, the kingdom of Kalam, which are the boy um, which is a very military family. They are basically the second most uh, important army in uh, in the kingdom of Kalam. and um, so they had a son, which is the current king, and uh, it was basically just a shit show. Like clearly, um, the right. the the so the the king at this stage is not a good political figure is 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 really bad uh he basically let other people runs the kingdom and so there are a lot of guilds that take too much power in the in the kingdom um and a lot of people just just criticize him for that uh when he had when he has a son his wife died giving birth uh so now there's this very complicated political tension with uh, the basically the big military family of this of this kingdom because they they are they are in this process of grieving and they, now they hate each other's guts and the king die of uh, dies of uh, dies basically of sickness. Uh, we do not know if it's poison or if, it's, or, or if it is really sickness, but the thing is now the king de facto is this young king uh, which is uh, which is called Petrus Petrus Calham, um, mm-hmm. and uh, the thing is he's fifteen. <laughs> he is fifteen. He's technically the king, um, and if it were not for the help of some people that stay very faithful to the Kalam, Kalam family, it would have been a fraud, clearly. Um, but now it is this kind of tension uh, in the kingdom uh, with this family that is very powerful, that have powerful eyes, that basically says uh, this king will not fit. We need to have someone uh bigger and with more power and willing to and willing to drive this kingdom in a, in charge and people that says uh let the kids grow uh I'm sure if he's if he's mantled good he will be a good king just like his grandfather and oh, of course uh so so this is this political tension uh and It's basically a civil war waiting to happen, (laughs) to happen, basically. Uh, Which is... Which will be happening if players (laughs) don't make it. (laughs) Um, And so there was... uh, And so this is the tension, but it's actually none of them are the bad guys. Uh, It's actually an old veteran soldiers of... So... Uh, Suna, which is the town the city of the breyer Hasun, so the mm-hmm. uncle side family of uh, of uh, the, the current king um it's an old veteran that basically did people for dramatic reason call him a marty but he didn't he did not die he was basically is his a half health is an old half elf, and okay. he, he basically lost his squad of um, of um, they're called I have the name in French, but I did not translate it. They are basically soldiers, but with magic powers. They are uh, blade mage, uh, to be uh, to be uh, really uh, really precise. Um, okay, and so he lost all his squad to the first. Uh, the first waves of orcs that attacked uh, the kingdom of... Uh, uh, what will become kingdom of Calam. Um, he uh, was made prisoners uh, because orcs wanted to have intel about uh, how our tribes uh, at this stage were organized uh, further in the south. And it was tortured. So all these people uh all his soldiers, his faithful soldiers uh killed and slaughtered before him and he was freed uh he was freed when the when the the war was over and the orcs been repelled uh he was freed but he basically stands there and being in full p t s d and he starts hearing voices voices that uh Basically, these people in charge, these lords and dukes and kings, they do not know what it takes, clearly, to run a kingdom and basically what it takes to bring peace in a kingdom, uh, to bring protection in a kingdom. Um, and in the first, first time, he starts a bit ignoring... That part and it just asked for uh, for his lord to have uh, to retire in a in the in castle in actually in the in the giants wall uh, that's where that's where we, <laughs> they will fight him actually um it just want to retire I just want to spend his day alone um and what it just see is basically lords and kings just bickering at each other, but not doing anything for the people of the kingdom. Um, just, he just sees that there are just these two powerful families that will basically go at, his, at each other's throat. And yeah. he's just thinking that there are more powerful threats out there, and this kingdom is not safe. So And so he's basically just thinking in circles, and this freaking circle is actually Tarmat. Tarmat's that just show him that he needs to be in power. He needs to be guiding um, guiding, uh, this kingdom because he has known uh, he's, he's no he clearly knows the threat that comes, uh, comes to it. Of course he does not know everything. It's just Tarmat just um, just making this bigger than it is. But Oh. so he starts to make to make this cult of Teat, but he, he, is a, he is actually a lieutenant. so he has some strategical knowledge, and he does not do like a big uh, big attacks on on things. Basically, he just uses mercenaries to disguise them as bandits to do what, what he wants to do. In a, and that's how they discovered that the, some caravans were not attacked by bandits, but actually they were mercenaries. Uh, it was not like people just coming uh, and doing a highway banditry or anything. No, they, mm-hmm. it was actually mercenaries uh, doing uh, doing the things. And uh, why why does he do that? Because he wants to accumulate some magical item. Uh, to do his deeds, and it culminates to basically he wants he make he, he made the, um, he basically made the the pc believes that um he wanted to kill the king, which he does not want to uh, he wanted to he wanted actually to make a, a failed attempt to kill the king so it would spark the civil war, uh, and that's what happened. Uh, that's what happened. They were at this big, um, at this big reception uh, held by the king, and so all these uh, very influential and political people around, and he basically made a, he basically disguised uh, one of his acolytes as a servant of Sunna of the Bury Hassan, uh, to basically make a failed attempt to kill the king. Um, and so... And so now, these two big families have a reason to go at each other's throat. Because people, there were people that believed that the Bari Hassan wanted to end the king's life. And... Um, and... You must do something about it, right? Even if the king, if the king said, "Well, this sounds sketchy, right?" It it, it doesn't. I really feel that this uh, this people did not really wanted to kill me. People want blood right now. They want blood. It is. It, it just sparked the fire of civil war, and so the immediate call for action uh, made made the king say, okay, nobody can leave. Um, nobody can leave the capital until this is sorted out. Which for the Burjah Hassan, they think and they, they kind of play into that. They think they are being, being held hostages now. Uh, and so now there are all the political figures that uh, support the Burjah Hassan that just say, you can just do that. You can just do that to your uh, to your people, uh, my king. And now this is uh, now this is basically they you know they have a, a time bomb actually to bring the uh, to to bring the, the 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 bad guy to justice and make him admit this crime. Uh, so because this is basically the only way. Uh, th- this is this way or a big civil war in uh, in the kingdom of Kana. So basically, this this is the plot.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's uh, a <laughs> that's a lot of stuff to go through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I-, I wanted them to have a kind of feeling of uh, the political landscape, but being uh-huh. yeah definitely, but just being a D and D adventure. Like you you will go there and. Ask people out and go into this tomb. or you find some cultists. Maybe they have some intel and you know. Also, magical item. I'm very generous with magical item uh, oh in a way um, because I want them to do cool. St- I want I want the players to do cool stuff, and I want to have also have an excuse for myself to throw them. You know. Uh, yeah big monsters and big traps, big big things they have to solve with the magical items they have.
0: Gotcha. Oh man, I feel like you you went over a lot of the stuff that I usually ask about. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I was curious though, because you have all these like different ways of interpreting uh, how to access magic within your mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's any interesting like mechanics that you've come up with to represent that for like how the players build um... their characters? I don't
1: usually do extra mechanics, uh, but mainly because I don't want people to be confused um, mm-hmm. about, uh-huh. oh, yeah, if this is D&D rules, and now this is this campaign rules. I, I always think that people want to play D&D first. It just happens to be in, in my world. Uh, but I would come up maybe one day with uh, different mechanics. It's mostly... Uh, about lore and story, like, and uh, for example, in in the kingdom of Calam, this is very easy to meet a mage, a wizard. It's uh-huh. very easy. There is even a school of magic, like it's big. It's a big magic academy, um, uh-huh. and they they give they have even integrated in regular armies. Uh, so it's very easy to 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 meet mages, which is not the case in the Highlands, where you could meet a more artificial-like people, uh, more more engineers, uh, magic engineers in some way, um, which is basically not the case. Uh, not it's totally different. For example, in um, the in uh, good, so on the on the very south of Acremius, which are basically mostly Druid and Clerics because they manipulate magic through what they believe are primordial power, but they do they do not try really to understand what is behind it they just are they're, they they're just they just see it like this there's this powerful being and if I'm if i'm really good at talking talking to him they will give me powers and that's how they that's how they get, they get the magic powers mm-hmm. but it's mostly through lore and story uh storytelling um maybe one day i will do magic uh like an actual uh game mechanics uh magic about that um Would it be maybe just very, um, um, like uh, just for a one shot, like, oh, for this fight, you have to to take care of this mechanic or something more regular, like, uh, oh, this magic item works like that or anything, but not for now. Not really for now.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair to, to do it that way for sure. Um... Well, did you have anything else you wanted to add about your your campaign or the campaign world?
1: Well, uh, this is a very work in progress kind of thing. Uh, even the, on the big map, it is far from complete. Uh, you can clearly see uh, that there are um, there are continents, entire continents that are far more detailed than others, and there is a reason for that. It's because I did not detail them, <laughs> uh, mm. that's 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 the that's thing, um, and it's always difficult to like make details in advance because you want enough details, of course, on your world for people to be interested in. Like, oh, what's that on the map, right? So the right. just j- just that, uh, I they basically want to go somewhere, and. Um, but you don't want too much details, because after that, you kind of have to respect that. You have to respect all these things you, you put up and oh yeah um, I, I said that, but you know uh, since I'm saying it's not that much fun right now that I'm playing it
0: uh, I'm, yeah,
1: I, I'm kind of scrapping it, uh, yes so, yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always a bit difficult about that. Uh, so I try to be to details what I need, like political figures, landscapes, um, right. so that, that kind of stuff. Uh, very old lore and ancient things. But I'm not trying too much on the detail uh, about uh, the day-to-day life. Uh, because because the day I have this feeling that the day-to-day life of a place in, for, for d d is basically um, whatever you need to be to be the most dramatic and the most engaging in the story it has to be this way um, it is uh, if you need if you need to have a dragon uh, because You want this very powerful being right now in your campaign. Okay, there's a dragon now. That's it. (laughs) You don't. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically. But if you put a dragon before that at this exact spot, and the players, for whatever reason, just decide to not go on that spot and just go the other way, (laughs) now you just have a dragon, and worst case, and it can get even worse, you said to them they were, there was a dragon over there. So they said, okay, we know there's, there was a dragon over there. We're not going to see it because we have other stuff to do. <laughs> and now you're stuck with a dragon, you don't know what to do with it. <laughs> it's, it's just there. I don't know what he's doing, but it's there. And I don't really like that. So yeah, it's it's very work in progress overall, uh, but I'm having a lot of fun uh, creating uh, creating details on that world, and yeah, uh, I really I really hope my players. I think they do, but I, I really hope my players are are having fun too.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, well, you also have the your world anvil site. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been looking through it with Google Translate on, it's, uh, well, you know, sy- syntax and like word choice never translate yeah. really well that way, but it, it it's enough to understand what you're talking about and it is in readable English <laughs> that way, <laughs> which, okay. which is nice. It's much better than what I was expecting based off of what translation used to be like for automatic translation. But yeah, yeah, there's tons of stuff here on how to the like the gods that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. and the other all that other stuff as well so yeah it's it's really nice
1: yeah uh, we we didn't talk a lot about factions uh inside uh i really fleshed out oh, yeah. factions on on the kingdom of Calam uh because that's what i needed uh, basically uh uh-huh. i needed i needed that but yeah that's, uh, i really like pulling up uh a lot of factions in uh, in very small places because now you can make you can make connection uh, between them. Do they hate each other? Do they work together? Uh, do they have different goals? And mm-hmm. I feel that players do like a lot of that, uh, and it's kind of more the more the better about that because they feel that they can make choices. Uh, by deciding, are we against this faction, or are we siding with this faction? Um, they even if they, most of the time they do not side with a faction, they side with an NPC that belongs to a faction. But
0: uh-huh.
1: they they do like they, I feel they do like that. They do like to see uh, basically on the giant wall right now on uh, in my campaign. They are content. Uh, a patch of the uh, silver knight which are which is not a dark souls reference <laughs> I, f- I found it was cool to call them that and then i remember oh yeah they are in dark Souls too <laughs> they are called oh, okay. <laughs> like that in dark souls too but <laughs> but it, it is it is basically the, the army of the personal army of the king and uh, there is a patch of silver knights in the giant World basically because he wants to Appease people and make them uh, go on on his side uh, against uh, in in this civil war because basically everybody thinks okay, today or tomorrow there will be a civil war in in uh, in the kingdom of Calam. Um, so he wants he wants basically lords to to be on his side, and so he has this patch a patch of. Of civil knight that goes on the giant's wall and basically just to show that oh yeah the king the king cares about the the frontiers and and keeping the giants at, at bay um and so they, i get the thing that they do like players do like to see all this out of silver knights and they come with this law and you you have this faction now that have Basically, their own ideas about what well, is the giant wall uh what kind of people live there what do they think about there what do they think about this about that um, and so they, they they i get the feeling they do really like it so um i'm I would say a faction enthusiast <laughs> like I put a lot of factions uh in in small in very small places um mm. so yeah that's basically basically what I like about about also world building is what are the connections between the people that already live
0: here yeah cool it's good to have all that kind of stuff in there that's something i i feel like I'm missing from my world right now for sure
1: but it's it's really it's really just um I I it's really just okay what people think it's important think is important and most of the time if something is really important, people have taken into char have taken something in charge to solve that problem, to solve a matter that they think is, is important. So that's how you create a faction. Um and so, yeah, the king needs a personal army. So here goes the Silver Knight. Um, magic is important in my world. So if there is a civilization that rely on, you know, your your old fantasy magic, which is uh, scrolls and wands and everything, you know, this, this kind of magic, uh, right. you know, the, the old spell, well, there will be an Academy of Magic, because they need to train people, they also need to protect themselves against magic. Um, they, that kind of stuff. Uh, I have also the, the, the sorority of the trees, uh, which are basically monster hunter, to be fair. They are basically monster hunter. They do uh, chase and hunt uh, nasty, very nasty beasts, um, which are the result of what they call the corruption of nature, of uh, the think that something is corrupting uh, nature at one place, and so they, they come and they slay that beast. So. And that's how I created all these faction.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Man, do you have anything else you want to add?
1: <laughs> well, I think, yeah, um, I don't think... Um, I think we've we done a, a good... <laughs> a good look around of uh, of the of Acrimios. so as I said yeah. it's a, it's a work in progress but as every world builder it's a, it's always a work in progress i guess
0: yeah yeah of course all right well thank you very much Natal this was great It's a lot um, of good stuff there
1: well thank you for for having me it's it's a very good idea for the podcast it's a very good podcast so um thank you